Well, as I mentioned when I welcomed you, today is the first Sunday of Lent, this 40-day journey that's going to get us not only to the cross, but ultimately to an empty tomb in victory over death. We kicked off this season of Lent, the most important season in the calendar year for the church, on Wednesday night, Ash Wednesday service. And I so missed being able to place ash upon your foreheads in the sign of a cross. Pastor Andrew joked that we could do a drive up uh, and use a pool cue to just kind of maintain six feet away. And I thought, well, that's crazy. But then when I got home on Wednesday night, sure enough, there was a pastor with a very long Q-tip that was doing basically the same thing. I feel like I failed you as a pastor in that regard. I should have come up with a way for us to really uh, participate in that sacred act. But on Wednesday night, Ash Wednesday service, we always hear an invitation, an ancient invitation to make this season special, to set it apart. And because so few people usually come to an Ash Wednesday service, it has been my tradition throughout my ministry to once again on the first Sunday of Lent invite my community of faith to a holy ob observance of this season. And so hear these words, whether for the first time this year or the second. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the early Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection, and it became the custom of the church that before the Easter celebration, there should be a 40-day season of spiritual preparation. During this season, converts to the, to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to participation in the life of the church. In this way, the whole congregation was reminded of the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need we all have to renew our faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church to observe a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by fasting and self-denial, by reading and meditation on God's holy word, and by prayer. And I always want to say amen at that because amen means may it be, let it be. But we have a brand new sermon series for us for this time of Lent, and it's called Crosswalk as we are journeying towards the cross, as we are walking towards the cross, a crosswalk. And there are some, you know, notable crosswalks. I think of that uh, famous picture of the Beatles on Abbey Road on the crosswalk. Last February, just before the whole pandemic hit, Janet and I went to Nashville, someplace neither of us had ever been, ever been. And we were right down there on Broadway, and their crosswalks not only just go across the road, they also X, so you can walk right down the middle of the intersection. Traffic on every area stops. And I didn't have to get across the road, but I felt I needed to do that. The crosswalk was so enticing for me. Or our own crosswalks here on Silver Spring... You know, it used to be three or four times a week, Dan or I or some others would, would walk across those crosswalks to get to the hot bar at Sendix for lunch. But we have this text, this, these 10 verses from the 25th Psalm that are going to 
show to us a path, a guide for how to walk in this season of Lent. And so hear these words. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Trusting, waiting, learning, repenting. All very good Lent things, and we heard it all in that text. Now, this teaching may be especially hard in 2021 in a society that has become increasingly secular, a secular culture that promotes self-actualization, self-sufficiency, and instant gratification. Not that there's anything wrong with self-actualization. But instead of living for self, the psalmist here encourages us to offer ourselves fully and completely to our God. Instead of depending on self, depend on God. Instead of seeking instant gratification, wait for God. Instead of believing that we know it all, learn the ways of God. Instead of justifying or explaining away our hurtful actions, repent before God. Trust, wait, learn, repent. And so in those first two verses, we, we heard this, this word, Oh my God, in you I trust. In you I trust. Now, if we're going to receive God's guidance, if we're going to place our trust, the first thing that has to happen is that we have to have a desire to walk on God's paths and then walk in trust. And it has been said that learning to trust is one of life's most difficult tasks. It was Isaac Watts that said that. But somebody else reflected the glue that holds all relationships together is trust. Trust, the glue of my marriage. Trust, the glue of my relationship with the staff and the membership here. Trust, the glue that, 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 that keeps my best relationships, my most valuable relationships on the right way. Trust. Someone else said, trust is like blood pressure. It's silent, vital to good health, and if abused, can be deadly. I believe that trusting God is one of the products of a faith that God does grant to us. When we trust God, we are putting our security in God. We are believing God's promises to us, and we are relying on God regardless of the circumstances that we're experiencing at any given moment. 
Faith is not quite the same as trust, though trust is a natural consequence of faith. This Lent, we need to examine the ways in which we are trusting in God, the ways in which we place all of our hope and trust in God. But in verse 3, we heard something that is, that is also very, very hard. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Joyce Meyer once said, I believe that a trusting attitude and a patient attitude go hand in hand. You see, when you let go and learn to trust God, it releases joy in your life. And when you trust God, you are able to be more patient. Patience is not just about waiting for something. It's about how you wait. It's about your attitude while you wait, but it is hard. Tom Petty got it right. The waiting is the hardest part. Every day you get one more yard. You take it on faith. You take it to the heart. The waiting is the hardest part. You know, I've had lots of tests since the calendar year turned to 2021, and, and those results don't come back immediately. It's hard to wait for test results. It's, it's hard to wait for someone to arrive that you haven't seen in so long. It's hard to wait that we can open up to live worship with a full sanctuary. Waiting is hard. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. In Lamentations, it says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And prophet Isaiah says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Maybe you've heard that cliche, all good things come to those who wait. And I tell you, all good things come to those who wait as long as we are waiting for the right things. Waiting with the right attitude. You usually have to wait for that which is worth waiting for. So we have to trust, and we have to wait. But in verse 4 and 5, it says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. I came across an awesome quote this week from Mahatma Gandhi, who said, Live as if you were to die tomorrow. Learn as if you were to live forever. I think it was da Vinci who said, learning never exhausts the mind, and I can think of some all-night studying sessions I had to do in order for a final exam that, that I felt my mind was exhausted, but learning is energizing. Learning is power, and the Bible has a lot to say about this quest to seek after uh, a greater and deeper understanding of God. Proverbs says, whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. But the one who reject, rejects a rebuke goes astray. So where do we turn to? Where do we turn to to learn about God? How can God teach us? Well, Paul was writing a letter to a young pastor, Timothy. And Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. If we're going to learn after God, if we're going to be taught, we have to be open. We need to pursue. We need to ask really good questions and then be still and listen for the answers. Trusting, waiting, learning, all good things. But boy, Pastor, you always make me nervous when you talk about repentance. That's a scary word. 
It says in verses 6 and 7, Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. And here comes this cry. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. Remember me. And we have a promise, and a promise I think that we take for granted, but it's something that we need to be reminded of time and time again. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lent should be a season of repentance, a season of self-assessment. How has my journey been? How has my Christian walk been? In what way have I not lived up to the faith that I proclaim I have? You see, friends, you can't hide it from God. God sees everything. God knows your heart. But the good news is God does not want to condemn. That's not God's nature. God wants to extend love and grace. Do you seek it? Are you repentant? Lent is a time for repentance. And so we trust, we wait, we learn, and we repent. These first seven verses are this heartfelt prayer to God. But then, verses 8 through 10, it's like the preacher stops praying and speaks right to the community of faith. Good and upright is the Lord, he says. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. Friends, I conclude here that an assurance that God can be relied on, that God can indeed be trusted to lead us and to instruct us, We know that God is good, and we know that those who obey, those who align their own will to the will of God can rest assured that the paths of God are nothing but love and faithfulness. And so, yes, crosswalks have a clearly defined path. What will your path be this season of Lent? Are you going to be on the crosswalk? seeking to get closer and closer to our God. I pray that the answer to that is yes. Amen.